Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. Hey, everyone. Mike Wolf here with the Smart Home Show, and this is This Week in Smart Home, short abbreviated Apple edition, uh, and plus a bonus uh portion of this podcast. I actually did a, a unique and interesting segment I think I'm going to do more of. Hopefully we'll make this a recurring segment. Meet the listener. Uh, I actually talked with Sean Cotton, who's a listener of the Smart Home Show. We'd been exchanging some emails. He actually said, hey, I'd be interested in talking on the Smart Home Show. I said, hey, you know what? Let's meet one of the listeners. And so I had Sean on, had a conversation with him. And that is actually after our Smart Home Show Week in Review uh, this abbreviated edition, you can hear Sean and I talk, and we talk a little bit about what you know he how he got into smart home, what he's doing with what some of the products are, what he's excited about, and uh, yeah, it was a fun little little episode. And again, it's one I think I might do some more. If you're interested in appearing on the Smart Home Show, email me at thesmarthomeshow at gmail dot com, or reach out to us at technology fm. You can message us that way as well. But let's get to the news, and really, the news this week was all about Apple. You know, there was a few other interesting smart home tidbits this week, uh, such as Crestron launching their Ping platform. But I'm actually heading out to Cedia tomorrow, and I want to see this stuff firsthand, see it in person before I do it. I'm I'm meeting uh, some folks out there. Maybe I'll, I'll grab them and sit down and re- record a podcast there and talk about some of these things. But really, I just want to talk about Apple uh, and the, the iWatch or the Apple Watch, because really, if there's one thing that happened in tech this week, it was, it was Apple's announcement of the Apple Watch, its new iPhone 6, and Apple Pay. And really, I think for our purposes, I think the most interesting part was the Apple Watch. And, you know, they finally introduced the long-awaited Apple Watch. And, you know, you probably have heard everyone opine on it, have heard their opinions on it. But I wanted to talk about it because I followed the smartwatch market pretty closely. If you followed stuff I do, I've I've done quite a bit of work on that. And so I just want to talk about it. I, I did a quick report on Apple Watch just today for Gigom. That'll be published early next week. So I uh, have some quick thoughts I just wanted to share uh, on, on the Apple Watch. You know, physical feature-wise, if you look at the thing, um, I think it was good-looking. It was a good-looking watch. And there's a few interesting features like the cr- the crown rotary dial, um, the, the force touch the uh, the haptic inter- or the taptic interface the taptic engine they have in there that gives you feel based notifications but I really think the most interesting physical feature and what I think actually is going to provide a lot of interest for people looking at the watch is the high degree of modularity they had on the band system I mean when you look at smartwatches most of them basically have one model one look and you know there might be a couple different sizes. But by and large, they are one watch model. But what Apple did with the with the band system was basically create almost thousands of possibilities. When you combine that with the, the three different models, the two sizes, and the band system, you do the math, you have diff- literally thousands of different combinations. And so they really kind of solved that problem by giving you a few different features you can you can change around with with the band system. I, so I thought that was actually kind of a stroke of genius. When you look at the watch capabilities itself, I think the software looks okay. It looks a little bit cluttered. The interface looks a little cluttered to me. But I think what Apple's really counting on is the integration with its frameworks and platforms 
to provide, to provide what people in the business world would call unfair strategic advantage or unfair advantages, that really it'll that will make it hard on other comp, on other competitors. This you know, the Kickstarter crowd as well as some of the big guys really can't match what they're doing with WatchKit, HealthKit, and HomeKit, as well as Apple Pay. All those different platforms that they've been kind of working on for the last year or two really kind of provide a fertile ground for innovation as well as very defendable advantages that really make it hard for someone who's just building a watch, say, on Kickstarter and trying to raise a million dollars. You're not going to have an Apple Pay integration. You're not going to have HealthKit. You're not going to have WatchKit. And really, if you look at Apple, let's be honest, they're not good at software. I mean, if you, if you used iTunes, if you used iCloud, that's not their forte. They're good at hardware and what they do around the hardware is build good platforms that, that really kind of leverages the innovation of, of, of app developers, of other people creating software, not them. They're not creating the interesting software in the app store. Other people are, right? They created the app store, but they're not creating the interesting software. And so I think what's really interesting about the smartwatch is it ties into all these different platforms and, and kind of they're watering and feeding, feeding this, watering and fertilizing this ground uh, out of which app developers will plant seeds and build really interesting software. So I think that's really kind of what the big deal is around the capabilities over time is you're going to get some really interesting capabilities. You add in things like Siri, um, you add in some of those other features. I think it's really interesting. You know, the other interesting thing I think um, with this watch technologically wise is it's the first product alongside the iPhone six, the new line of iPhones to feature NFC. Now, if you're at all aware of Apple's history with NFC, you know that they don't have one. I mean, they basically kind of killed NFC as a payment technology up until t- up until yesterday, this week. Uh, the, you know, Google was kind of really kind of driving the NFC train, and Apple was kind of ignoring it by not putting it into the iPhones until this week. Uh, and with iPhone six, it'll be shipping soon. And so. While that isn't directly applicable to the smart home, I think it's potentially interesting. You know, and, I, and I've just written a little bit about how NFC has largely been DOA, dead on arrival, in the smart home. Because no one's really done a whole lot. There has been companies like Yale who announced they were developing an NFC-based smart lock. But really, there hasn't been a whole lot of interesting innovation. You've seen most of the, the innovation around other short form radio technologies like Bluetooth and obviously Z-Wave and Zigbee, but, but NFC hasn't really had a whole lot of things happen to it. Now I'm not saying it will, but I do think it's interesting that they're integrating it into the watch as well as the phone. And also you, you saw Tim Cook mentioned that they are working with Starwood hotels to enable people to unlock their, unlock their hotels with their iPhone now, that might be Bluetooth, but who knows? It may also be NFC. I know that Asa Abway, the lock company working with with uh, with, with Starwood Hotels, is the only smart lock company or the only lock company that had announced, like I said, an NFC smart lock. Yale is part of Asa Abway. So that might be interesting, right? Maybe. And what about that price point? It's it's not exactly cheap, right? You look at the, the, the price point for the Apple Watch – it's a three hundred fifty dollars to get in. Not exactly something you can just throw throw into your shopping cart and not have to worry about it. If you're just kind of an average person, uh, it's you have to at least think about that. 
You know, unless you have just tons of discretionary income. So $350 for a device that you also need to have an iPhone. Um, that's a little spending. But you know what? I think Apple's okay with that. And here's the reason why. I mean, Apple always comes out in new product categories at the high end of pricing. You may not remember, but the early iPhone, I think it was $600. The, the first iPad in 2010, the cheapest model was $500. And, and you went up from there. So Apple is okay with excluding a large percentage of the population, people with not a ton of discretionary income, and letting people with a little money in their pocket be the first people to get it. And they also know there's, about, there's you know, who knows what the number is, maybe 10 million people in the world that will buy literally anything Apple puts out. So why not reward those people by making them charge a really high price point and then dropping the price six months later? That, that's really how to reward your fans. And I think of, <laughs> that's what kind of Apple has in mind as well. So... I think they're going to do that. They're going to they're come out. They're coming out. I think eventually you'll see probably cheaper models, but three hundred fifty dollars to start, and uh, that's where you are. But listen, I'm I'm basically happy they they finally came out with Apple Watch, so we can finally stop speculating about it. I'm also glad they called it Apple Watch and not iWatch because I'm kind of tired of that naming convention. I probably will not get one, quite honestly, because it requires me. The Apple Watch requires me to have an iPhone. And that's really the biggest problem with it. I mean, I wrote an article uh, for about that on LinkedIn. And I also just kind of validated a little bit with the survey I did. I'm writing a report. I just wrote a report for Geekom, a very quick flash report on the Apple Watch. And we did a quick survey and asked people what they saw as maybe the, the biggest potential hurdle with Apple Watch. And the biggest hurdle was the fact that it requires an iPhone. And you think about it, it costs... The cost of the watch is $350. You have to have an iPhone to really unlock any of the functionality. And if you're using Android or, or BlackBerry or Windows Mobile, they're basically saying you have to endure the switching costs of coming over to iPhone to use this. And so I want I, I like the device. I'm just not willing to switch out my mobile phone for it. As I said, this is a very abbreviated edition of kind of what's happening in the smart home space. And not even really the smart home space. It was more like a more like kind of wearable but I think one that has important implications for the broader smart home and one worth talking about. Um, I, there's obviously other news again uh, in the smart home world that I, I want to kind of talk about at depth, but I'm getting ready to go out and fly to Cedia. So I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you enjoyed this quick little mini update. I also hope you enjoyed the second half of the episode where I talk with Sean Cotton, a listener of the smart home show and hear a little bit about what one of our listeners actually is doing with his own smart home. So enjoy. Today we have Sean Cotton, who is actually a Smart Home Show listener. And Sean, I have to tell you, I have to kind of give you credit for this. You were the guy who sent me an email and said, hey, love to come and talk on the Smart Home Show about just about everyday stuff that normal people use. And I thought, you know, that's a really cool idea, a Meet the Listener uh, episode. And this might actually become like a, a kind of a semi-regular series. So um, welcome. Hey, well, thanks, Mike. Yeah. And uh, tell us a little bit about yourself before we kind of get into your interest in smart home and, and stuff you look at or stuff you have in your house or, and whatever, who is Sean Cotton? So I, I live in the Atlanta area and I work my full-time job. I work for a automotive remarketing company. I'm actually in sales uh, for them. And one of our 
one of our products is a digital platform for automotive dealers. And I'm just a person who just like tech. I like uh, pretty much all things tech, iPhones, Apple products, all of the Apple products, the Google products, and anything else that I can get away with uh, buying <laughs> with my wife. Yeah, you're like me. You kind of just buy and hope and ask for forgiveness later and, and stuff like that. And I would imagine um, being a guy who uses all the different mobile platforms, kind of the, the big stuff that we all use, one of the things that you're seeing is more and more of this stuff starting to connect to the smart home. And so you – and like a lot of people in, in the world who are interested in tech, that's becoming an interest. So when did you first start getting interested in smart home? And then let's talk about what you have. Um, I think you know, it's been a kind of a couple of years. I, I, I really had an interest in Sonos. Um, I just listened to a lot of shows and just listening to uh, listening to different talk show hosts talk about the Sonos systems. And I think at the time, uh, I just really, really wasn't ready to pull the trigger on it. I thought it was a little too expensive uh, to purchase. Plus I had other speakers, but that was kind of my, um, kind of my start as far as the um, home tech type of item. Kind of the connected home. That was really the entry point. I think that's pretty common. Yeah. Actually, a lot of people get in with Sonos. That was the first entry point for a lot of people. Yes. Yes, Exactly. And so you heard people talking about it on podcasts, and, and but were you also listening to spoken word stuff on your on your Sonos? Uh, I do. I guess the I don't listen as much to different podcasts on Sonos, and that's just simply because you have to. I think the only podcast that you can listen to, or maybe is what's on your phone, or the um, the Apple the Apple podcast, and that's not my favorite. Yeah, uh, a little tip: I, they do have integration with TuneIn. And TuneIn actually has a lot of podcasts, and that's how I've been getting some of them. So that's just a one way because I, I have started to listen to podcasts on my my Sonos uh, when I'm in the garage, for example. So, and the way I've been doing it is with, is with TuneIn. Right. I guess the for me, a lot of times on my way home from work, I have about a an hour and a half commute, and that's usually when I'm listening. And if I start the uh, start a podcast. On one system, uh, I think I've used the the Cast or the Pocket Cast app. Uh, I can't finish it, finish it on my Sonos, so that's I guess that's why I hadn't used it more. But I, it's a lot better when I can just uh, just listen to it on the Sonos and kind of walk around the house and do whatever I need to do. The idea of, uh, and I think that's a big thing in the future. By the way, just to kind of go off on a tangent, like starting something in one kind of tech. Uh, theater like your car and then finishing it in like another or another zone of your life and I think like that's where I have high high hopes maybe for Apple to solve this problem or Google but like just let's just be able to walk around our lives and finish stuff and not and move to different speakers I think that's like a really big thing that'll happen over time oh yeah if they can uh, get something where it syncs up and it knows where you stopped off and you're able to just jump back on on another system that would just be uh, that would be awesome Okay, so you started with Sonos, and have you bought any smart home type of gear that does stuff like turn your lights off and on, any other type of gear like that? I have. I have. I um, I think the next thing that I bought was uh, the Nest thermostat. Okay. So I actually have a couple of those, one upstairs, one downstairs. I've got the uh, Wemo. got a couple of items picked up from um, Sam's Club. It's kind of like a little starter kit, the camera. 
and the uh, the switch to uh, that plugs straight into the wall. I've got um, the Smart Things starter kit. Oh wow! So yeah. you're, you're dabbling in a, a few different, I guess, s- systems or platforms. Because uh, I, I think I think every one of those could say you could say, okay, these guys are going to try and like be your whole smart home solution. Certainly with smart things now with Samsung thermostat, the Nest thermostat with Google. And then I think Wemo has some design. So I think that's interesting. Do you have them all like kind of living separately or do you, are you trying to connect them? Uh, Cause there is some integration there. There is, I think through the smart things, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they've got a, they've got a way that you can connect them, but I guess there are some limitations with using the smart things uh, app uh, to connect them. So for the most part, they're pretty much they're pretty separate. I've got some um, some IF IFTTT things kind of oh, set yeah. up uh, with them, so I guess they're kind of connected in that way. Uh, but for the most part, you know, I'm using I find myself using uh, the Sonos um, a lot, the Nest thermostat, and the Hue lights. So the the Wemo and the Smart Things are kind of I've kind of put them to the side for the most part, just because. Um, um, I kind of found an issue as far as not um, me not living by myself and you know my wife and for instance if I if I say I want the lights to come on once I you know get home or pull up into the driveway well if she's already home there's not really a way to say you know don't do it in that instance um, so it's a little disconnected for me. Um, the Wemo and the smart things, but I, I think they are good products. And I, you know, I definitely think that since uh, I think Samsung just purchased, um, smart things. Yeah. Yeah. So I um, might have to dust it off and, um, put it back to work here soon. Well, you know, it's funny. I think the way you just described how, um, we live with other people and that kind of, um, really much dictates in a lot of ways, oftentimes how we have to use this technology. That's totally true of me. Cause I have, um, I have a, a smart things system installed, and I was, for example, uh, sending out alerts every time I open my I open my door, which is kind of useless, right? I'd actually test message it, and or I'd have the lights turn on and off, and you know this became annoying to my wife. And then I also have a smart lock, and 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 it doesn't quite work as well as it should. Sometimes it goes, it turns, it opens and closes sometimes for no reason, and. This annoys my wife, so we really kind of have to <laughs> kind of uh, defer to our better half sometimes. Uh, and I kind of feel like the technology sometimes isn't quite there yet. I think you said that it's not quite there, and I think that that infringes on our better halves a little bit. Yeah. So for my wife, I mean, she, she likes technology to a certain extent, but she's <laughs> um, it's like a car. She just wants to get it, get in it, and drive it, and she doesn't want to yeah, exactly do any tweaking or anything, and she won't go to the levels that I will. So I'm kind of in the same boat as you are. <laughs> All right. So what are the biggest problems you face with your, with your smart home stuff? Is it the fact that it's kind of uh, not necessarily always working together or like you said, it kind of bothers other members of the family. Any other big problems? Um, I think um, there's not, not one standard where it all kind of, kind of pulls together. So it's just kind of feels, it feels disconnected. Whereas it's not that, that smooth system that I, I guess I kind of imagine or that, that Jetsons type of, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. of system where it just kind of all, all works together. And, you know, and again, it's, um, if you're a person who lives by yourself, I think you can, you know, there's a lot that you can do and a lot of 
a lot of useful things with the uh, you know with the the smart things and the uh, the Wemo, for instance. But again, you know, if you have to involve other people, it kind of can be a kind of annoyance to them. So um, I guess that's probably the biggest problem yeah. that I uh, that I see the lack of standards. I think that's going to be like maybe the biggest problem overall for the smart ministry fighting with themselves as everyone kind of uh, throws elbows and land grabs over the next couple of years. And there's so much competition among standards that I think, um, but I do think there are people in the, in the smart home world, particularly I think at retail, the people are selling the stuff who take returns who are, are realizing, you know, this is not a good idea. And I've, I mentioned this a couple of times when I was talking to Kevin Meager, the guy who runs the smart home stuff, for Lowe's, you know, he said we'll sell we'll sell Nest thermostats, we will sell uh, Home Depot's hub, uh, but we'll sell co- competing platforms because we know that stuff not working with each other is a bad thing. So I think some people are smart enough in this space to realize, you know, the you have to kind of look at the bigger picture rather than just always kind of fighting the platform battles. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's true. I mean, I. I just never imagined that like a Home Depot and Lowe's and Best Buy would be yeah exactly kind of kind of well maybe Best Buy but definitely not Home Depot and Lowe's. I mean I know that they sell home products but they really weren't too big on in the past on technology. So it's it's interesting. But that I guess that that tells me that it's um, they've done the research and they know that it's uh, something big is uh, down the road is happening with the uh, with that. Uh, yeah, definitely. So tell me, what do you want to buy next? What is, you know, you've been dabbling in platforms. You probably have like this wish list that keeps growing. Maybe it's stuff you heard about on the on the Smartome show. Maybe you're kind of hearing about Apple or Google doing stuff. What What's next for you? For me, it's, um, I really want one of the smart locks uh, for my, really for my garage, uh, garage door uh, coming into the house. Uh, the smart lock is the, the next thing I want to, want to get into, uh, either like the August, I think they just maybe started shipping and, uh, Goji has, has one as well. And there, I know there are some others as well out there, but those are, that's, I guess that's the next thing that I, the next big thing that I want to get. And, uh, I guess also I want to get, I have an unfinished basement and once I get it finished, I'd like to get one of the, um, one of the water sensors to kind of go down there just in case the pipe bursts or something like that. I can kind of get the, get an alert and maybe avoid a disaster. So those are, I guess the two things that I, I want to get next. Well, I think you get um, a, a water sensor with smart things. That might be one way for you to expand into that since you already have the hub. Cause I do think that they have the water sensors you can buy. Okay. Okay. You know, I'll have to have to look into, look into that. Well, what other, you know, it's, I think you sound like you're a podcast fan and, you know, you found the Smart Home Show and I thank you for listening. And by the way, you put in the vote for keeping the theme music. Oh, I do want to know that Sean said he likes the theme music. There's been a couple other people that said keep it. So uh, the, the the original stuff I, I put on hiatus, so that might be coming back. But yeah. you, you listen to the Smart Home Show. What other Smart Home resources do you like and what other kind of Smart Home podcasts have you listened to? Uh, I listen to, um, and I, I can't think of the name of the the show, but it's two guys, and they mostly deal with home um, or, or not the DIY type stuff, but more so. The, Are you talking about Home Tech FM with Jason and the, and Seth? Yes, that's it. Yep, exactly. yep. So, those guys are great. They're part of the the, the Technology FM network as well. And those guys, what I love about those guys is they really know about this stuff and how it works and how to install it. I mean, they do this for a living. 
and they do so they see all sides they they obviously like the DIY side but they also work with the very high end stuff and so I think they have a great perspective on kind of every aspect of the market yes yes it's um they just they kind of opened my eyes to a world that I never never really thought about and I guess mostly because I always thought that that type of stuff was just really just too expensive for me uh to buy but just listening to them, it's uh, I've really gotten some a lot of good information, um, you know, kind of about the home tech type uh, type things. So also listen to a lot of the uh, the Twit Network, uh, Leo Laporte's network. So I listen to a lot of his shows, and they're not necessarily specifically um, about kind of the home tech space, but you know, every once in a while they'll uh, report on some news uh, dealing with the kind of home tech type type items. Very good. Yeah, I'm a big fan of a lot of Leo stuff, and uh, there's a couple other ones. There's Home On with with uh, with Richard Gunther, which is a great one, and there's a few other ones out there. So, yeah. Oh, and um, Stacy Higabotham. Oh yeah, Stacy, who I, who was a coworker of mine at Gigom. So oh. I, I'm a fan of Stacy's as well. Yeah, yeah, she has a really really good show. So I always learn a lot, and she kind of has a has a different kind of way of. Um, presenting the information and the interviews. So I really like listening to her show. Very good. Hey, well, Sean Cotton, this, you know, this was your baby in a sense, because you suggested let's meet the listener. You were the first one. To, was it too painful? Was oh, no, it? not at all. It was, uh, <laughs> it was pretty good. <laughs> I really, I really enjoyed it. It was, uh, it's good to kind of, you know, when you, when you're into tech, you don't, you don't have a lot of people in your, at least I don't, a lot of people in my circles that want to talk about this stuff. So anytime that I can talk about it, I, uh, I'll i jump at the chance. Yeah, definitely. And people could find you on Twitter. Where, where, if maybe you don't want people to find you if you do. If they want to say hi, where can they find you? I'm at Cotton Sean. That's C-O-T-T-O-N-S-E-A-N. So it's just my uh, first and last name reversed. Cool. Hey, thanks, Sean, for spending time. And this has been a lot of fun. Absolutely, Mike. Thanks for having me. So what did you think, my first installment of Meet the Listener? I thought that was fun, hearing a little bit about what Sean has in his home, how he got started in the connected home, and how he's migrating and testing out other devices. Pretty cool, good to hear about, and just kind of shows you where some people are at. So, hey, if you're a listener, you want to be uh, on the next installment of this new uh, segment that I, I might try out here and there, uh, Give me an email. Reach me at the smart home show at gmail.com or reach me on Twitter at Michael Wolf. Uh, you can also go to technology.fm and reach us there as well. I also want to apologize a little bit for the sound quality. I realized that Skype has been messing with me and it defaulted to the wrong mic, my computer mic, when I was talking to Sean. And so that's why my audio sounds a little bit weird on that one. So uh, got that fixed. Next one won't sound so weird. But uh, again, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks to Sean Cotton for spending some time with me. And uh, now I'm off to Cedia. And if you're going to be there, hopefully I'll see you there. Have a great day.